Hello and welcome to ETAFM podcast. I'm Sebastian Vrubel and I have a pleasure to run this weekly show about the ocean freight. I have started the show in my home language, which is Polish, at the beginning of the year. After receiving lots of very positive feedback, I have decided to extend the show into English to help the ocean freight community learning weekly insights in a more convenient way. Let me share a little about why I have started the show. My ocean freight life started in a small freight forwarding family-owned company back in 2005. Since then, I've worked also for big corporates like Kilenagel and DB Schenker. I've been doing operations, processes mapping, supply chain optimizations, at, uh, and at the end leading ocean business development in 13 countries. After two years of being out of the industry, I've been still asked about the opinion on ocean freight related topics. And finally, I've decided to share it publicly via this podcast. My initial plan was to do it alone, but after a couple of episodes, I've learned that it will be much more valuable to engage other prominent experts. And that's how current format was created. I'll still keep learning and iterating, so if you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out to me. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the commentary of the 21st week of this year. Hello, good uh, morning. So I'm, I'm just watching on your indexes and it seems to be like it's like another week of, uh, of uh, increases in, in the most of the trades. And it's like, so we can say this again, record high for most of the trades, like the Far East westbound to Europe and eastbound to the US. Uh, it doesn't seem to be that it's, uh, it's going to change in the near future. I mean, it's either going to be stable high or even go after the even higher rates in the coming weeks. But at the same time, I've just uh, heard from Merskline CEO Soren Sku that uh, they're now focused on the uh, long-term contracts and, and growing the coverage by 20% on the, on the long-term contracts, not on the, like, um, uh, you know, the spot market. So, so what do you see over there It's uh, from, from Zeneta point of view? Well, I think there are different uh, elements we have to see. So first thing is, yes, the, the relation between supply and demand is still going to stay as severe as it has been in the past. So uh, the capacity as it, uh, is it at its max, especially on the Trans-Pacific, ports are congested, the ships are waiting in front of the port. Uh, and that's not going to change soon. And there is also no possibility to add any further ships to the cycles, which means that the only way how the whole scarce situation can change is if the demand side is going to change immediately. Uh, and unfortunately, like whatever we can see with the requests coming from the industries and the volume growth and the demand from especially the retail and the consumer side, it's simply that yes, the demand of the volumes is, is staying high for the time being. And that just means that yes, supply is not having enough and that's the reason why everybody has to to pay the extra costs and now i think the different carriers have different strategies on the market um some carriers are very much uh, focusing on the on the quick and short dollar and and try to push their customers to the short-term market where due to all of that squeeze the the prices you have to pay for the the, the very latest container is extremely high and you pay a lot of premiums and now MERS, the other way around, has, has mentioned that they also want not to forget their long-term customers. They have been building up relationships in the past and that they will want to just serve them as well on the long-term level. It's just a bit of a, of a kind of a strategy on how much you want to be opportunistic and how much you want to serve your long-term customers. 
Yeah, I, I've joined the webinar of Flexport last week, and uh, and we we could uh, all everybody over there could uh, learn something from Lars Jensen and the Anders and Florian from Flexport. But something that I remember is was uh, the statement from from Lars that uh, even though he 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 seems to see like the the end of the uh, let's say this growing demand from from the market where we are heading towards the end of the pandemic and uh, coming back to the you know service market in terms of how consumers spend money for tourism and everything else but at the same time we have the lowest inventories level in the US you I mean US because US is pretty transparent in that in that space yeah? and we've been, we've been talking about it last week and uh, replacing this this uh, this inventory is going to keep the the momentum from for the for the demand side for much longer of time and he also uh, brought the uh, labor strike on in the US ports from from the past that after it actually ended that it was under the control it took 6 months to recover for like fully operational flows from from the from the time before the the labor strike so what do you think about it how 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 much time it might take actually after getting it under the control yeah i, I would actually pretty back this this figure up uh as we have the same experience and there are two reasons for that too first thing is always how how large is the congestion actually and uh, just to to give you here a, a bit of a blunt example at the moment we have a kind of a two-week backlog on the west coast of the us so meaning that the average ship is going to be delayed by two weeks because they have to wait in front of the port until they can really be processed and that's just like kind of a continuous state now for the last two to three months as the U.S. import infrastructure was not capable of handling all of the import demand which was coming in. But that literally means that with a two-week delay, it means that 50% of the capacity of a regular month is actually blocked. So that means that if you regularly have uh, three box, like usually you have two boxes on a, on a, on a, on a month, uh, and now one of these two boxes, so half of the month is blocked. That literally means that out of three boxes of demand, only two can be shipped. And every third customer has to either wait significantly longer or he has to pull back his order completely, which of course he only is willing to do so if the price of the box is so utterly high that it doesn't, it, it's not any more profitable for him to ship the box. And that's actually the reason why we see these kind of extreme uh premiums what what some of the especially smaller shippers have to pay because literally it's a it's a lever for the carriers to make sure that out of a request of three they can only serve two and yeah the third one has to has to drop more or less uh and that's of course a situation to get back uh, from such a backlog it's going to need time because it's kind of a 50 percent backlog and even if now the demand would just go down on let's say 90 percent of normal you can only eat up 10% every month, which would mean that yes, to eat up 50%, uh, it's going to take five months. And that's most probably a kind of also the same calculation what Lars Jensen has been doing that, uh, yes, in order to have such a huge backlog of 50%, you are not able to, to eat it up in one month because it would mean that in one month, the demand would have to yeah, decrease so significantly, which would be comparable to the lockdown situation last year. And that's not to be expected at all. Yeah, it makes sense. It, it was uh, de definitely the same logic behind. And I've also seen like two other things that were super interesting from, from the same webinar. One, one was the general uh, 
prolongation of the transit times and there was like there was given a single example on uh, Shanghai to Chicago which usually took like 35 days in the past and now it's, ta it's taking like 73 so it's like more than double right at the same time there's like big co uh, big valuation of uh, volatility of uh, of the capacity on the on the weekly basis so it's like really not stable thing if 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 there is a capacity in place or not not even if it's a if it's available but in general if it exists yeah yeah no it's it is a difficult situation we have definitely in some parts of the world broken supply chains and it, it's it's a little bit like if a road has been blocked uh, you you just have to face the kind of delays. Uh, in Chicago is a good example there, so I don't want to comment on the specific case. But in general, if you have a two week backlog and every ship has to wait two weeks, you already get the first delay there of two weeks. Uh, then of course all of the adjacent things have to be adjusted. There's port congestion. You have to wait with the on carriage, uh, the rail services, and so on. Everything is going absolute on max, and that's then of course piling up and adding up. And even if you would take the other, the westbound round from Chicago to Chicago going via the Suez Canal, yeah, you had the issue with the blockage. Maybe the service was to, uh, was detoured around Africa. That again was piling up for another two weeks. Then you're missing the connection and whatever. So yes, you end up in, in maybe doubling the, uh, doubling the transit time in that sense. Uh, it's, that's just unfortunately the, the situation if we have such a yeah, demand situation what we currently face. Your index is like, uh, you know, record high that I've said at the beginning, but uh, what we can also see from the market that it's, you know, the index itself is not the, the end of the cost. Yeah, we've been talking about it slightly last week because you also have this disclaimer on your website that it's on average should be added like 50 to 2500 on top of the rates. But uh, all, uh, it was mentioned this week that you know, depending on the trades, it actually might differ between one and twelve thousand dollars on top of the regular, you know, rate which is reflected in the index. So this is insane when you think about you know the Asia to U.S. East Coast, which is this most extreme uh, situation that you know shipping a single forty feet costs like twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's always a matter of opportunity cost. So the first thing is, of course, you can still always fly goods. Of course, here the situation is scarce as well. But the question is always, okay, how how heavy is the goods? How much is your your the value for the end customer? How much money can you make if you still deliver it? And 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 that's a kind of a calculation every shipper has to face. Some of them will simply pass it on to air freight because it doesn't matter. Others will say that if it, it will be even worse uh, and then they have to ship it and then it's still better to pay 20k instead of not serving the customer. I think that's, yeah, it, it really depends on the individual customer and at the end, and that's important, this is not the overall market. So these extremes, they are now pointed out. I'm pretty sure also that these extremes are being paid by one or the other customer who has by all means to get it. It's a little bit like that if you try to get the flight out of uh, out of the US to Europe uh, on Christmas evening or whatever, it's a little bit the same. Of course, there might be any way to, to do it and then you might end up paying the most crazy price because you definitely have to be in this and that flight. Um, but that's, of course, not a regular market. That's not what the mass majority of the, of the shippers are paying. Uh, but of course, if you are arriving at the very last minute and you have to be on one specific service, then you might end up with these kind of rates. Yeah, it was the biggest uh, takeaway from Lars that uh, as, as a shipper, just consider if you really need to move your, your cargo at the moment. 
And it's a, it's a hard question, right? Because then, you, you know, depending on the on your model of, of the operation and one, you, why at all you, you, you move in it? It might be, you know, stopping the production line. It might be uh, losing the market share. It might be just, uh, or even losing like the whole profit potential. Yeah, If you don't move and don't sell, you just don't earn any money at all. So it's, it's, it's super difficult to answer this question but at the moment like every shipper needs to answer this question because it's uh, it, those rates are already killing some of the businesses and you know depending on the cargo uh, cargo uh, value right no that's that's exactly the kind of unfortunate exercise the industry now has to go through that in order to get rid of that backlog somebody has to re- refuse its spot so it's literally like always if you if, if you have a scars good and everybody wants to get it. The one thing is you have to wait endless and there is no control in the supply chain at all. Or you make measures that a person or a portion of the demand is actually really canceled so that you can work up on your backlog. And the only way how you can do that in a commercial environment is to increase the price to a level that it just doesn't become economically efficient anymore for a portion of the business. And that's exactly what we are seeing at the moment. And that's also the reason why the end of this line will literally be the price on where this certain portion of customers is not willing to pay anymore. And then you will only have the reminder of the customers and they will ship their goods and then we will be able to get away from that backlog. I've been talking to one person in Singapore this week and actually I was super surprised that uh, she was stuck at home again. You know, I thought that Singapore as one of the, you know, Asian countries where where in general the situation with pandemic was, you know, under control for the last couple of months. And it seems to be that this uh, Indian uh, version of the of the virus is uh, coming into this region, and it's it's already starting to influence humans humans lives. And uh, yeah, it, it sounds to me like a kind of potentially also disruptive factor in here because you know when it when it gets stuck like the way it was uh, uh, influencing los angeles and the, at the beginning it actually might be that it will tie up you know the vessels the cargo even more on, on the export side this time and look we can already see it in yantian which is uh, completely shut down there are some rumors about delian port as well and it's uh, forecasted that uh, Yendian alone is going to be like you know completely out of the operational order for at least a week. It seems we are entering another disrupting force here after US, after Suez. Now we are getting into the export side disruption, and yeah, I'm super curious how it's going to develop because it's, if it's going to be the case that the more more Asian ports are going to be stop operating it may add a few months of other ripple effects into the whole market well yes i i would say the vaccination process is continuing but we will de- we are definitely not yet on the end of the pandemic and the point is just and we have seen that on the air freight market in Taiwan and in singapore lately um the, the, the different governments are also reacting completely different so at the moment we clearly see well we see pretty open standard in the u.s side I think, and in some other countries, we see definitely an opening up in Europe, but we also see that especially the Asian governments are still very, very strict when it comes to even the smallest outbreaks. So a level which in Europe and in, a, in America would be celebrated, it's, it's creating great concern and very heavy reactions in Asia, meaning that whenever they have a new outbreak, they are extremely strict in, in locking it down again, similar to Australia. And that, of course, again, has an, an uh, 
uh, an impact on, on the supply chains in this world. So yeah, we it's going to take on. Uh, also, depending on how these things change, I, I suppose the governments will react differently, but we can clearly see that the supply chains are no, definitely not back to normal immediately. And there's always the risk that one or the other country goes into another lockdown. Yeah. All right, Michael. Thanks for the conversation this week. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. And, uh, and yeah, have a wonderful weekend. This time. Thank you. You as well. Have a great day. Bye. I'm extremely curious about your thoughts about this format and, uh, you know, the new way of consuming the Ocean Friday Insights. Uh, if you would like to reach to me and share your feedback, you can do it via LinkedIn or just uh, email me directly at uh, seb at eta.fm. In the following episodes, we will always have the you know insights from the current market situation with the commentary from, from various people coming from the industry. So stay tuned and have a great week. Best regards, Sebastian Verbal.